of course, I was a science teacher before I started farming, so I kind of background in it already. But um, it is fascinating. The more I learn, the more I want to learn. <laughs> Welcome to the 266th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, regional food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. What do you know about making good compost? It turns out there's a whole lot more to it than mixing a pile of leaves and kitchen scraps together and letting it all rot into some sort of natural source of fertility. In fact, a major myth about compost is that it's just another form of fertilizer, a natural replacement for petroleum-based crop nutrients. Good, biologically active compost can be a way to jumpstart the soil's innate ability to build its own fertility. Such living compost adds beneficial microbes to the soil, much like a baker introduces yeast to bread dough, giving rise to a chain reaction of exciting ecological activity. But that kind of composting takes the right mix of organic material and enough time to allow fungal communities to develop. Traditional composting that's done on a farm level or commercial scale involves building big windrows of waste material and turning them regularly to let in oxygen and break things down as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, this speeded up process creates a kind of compost that's immature and not as full of the complex fungal communities and other forms of life that can be so beneficial to plant growth. Inspired by the work of microbiologist Elaine Ingham, in recent years, farmers and others have been investigating how they can use composting to build the kind of soil biome that's self-sustaining and not reliant on a constant supply of chemical inputs. For example, since the summer of 2021, the Land Stewardship Project has been working with a group of farmers to research if a particularly innovative, low-labor approach to breaking down waste material can be a critical linchpin in efforts to bring the soil back to life. Through this initiative, LSB staff members have erected Johnson Sioux bioreactors on four farms in southeastern Minnesota and one farm in western Wisconsin. Invented by molecular biologist David Johnson and his wife Hui Chun Sioux, the bioreactor creates an inoculant that, when applied to soil, can jumpstart biological activity. The original recipe developed by Johnson and Sioux consists of one-third leaf litter, one-third dried cow manure, and one-third wood chips. But through this LSP project, which is being funded by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Agriculture's Agricultural Growth, Research, and Innovation Program, farmers are experimenting with variations on the original recipe, utilizing chicken and hog manure, for example. Most of the research on the Johnson Sioux bioreactor system has focused in areas like New Mexico, and studies show material produced by this composting system greatly increases the soil's fungal biomass, which results in, among other things, greater crop yields and more sequestration of carbon. One of the goals of this LSP initiative is to see how this system performs under replicated trials in the harsh climate of the upper Midwest. From now until 2023, we'll be sampling the bioreactors and comparing composition and microbial makeup to the samples taken from three commercial composting facilities. After 18 months or so, the crop farmers participating in this trial will have material available to make a kind of tea extract that can then be applied to their own field soils. The vegetable producers participating in this research can also use the material as potting soil. It's at this point we'll learn just how effective and practical this system could be in areas like Minnesota and Wisconsin. One of the benefits of the Johnson Sioux Bioreactor is that it is quite scalable. It can be set up in a backyard or on a large crop farm and can be constructed for under $50. 
Unlike large-scale windrow composting systems, it does not require a large compost turner or other specialty equipment, and very little labor is required once the systems get going. The bioreactor stacks LSP has set up on the five farms are constructed of wire mesh, fabric, and PVC piping. They're approximately 5 feet high and 12 and a half feet around. During the summer of 2021, I had the opportunity to observe bioreactors being erected on the farms LSP is working with. After the composters were set up, I talked to a few of the farmers about why they were interested in this method of building soil health. First, LSP soil health organizer Barrett Eider provided me some background on this project. Yeah, so I'll just kind of cover um, what the Johnson Sioux compost bioreactor is. Um, it was designed by a husband and wife team, um, and they're based out of New Mexico. And so um, they came up with this idea, and essentially the bioreactor is set on a about a 4x4 four four pallet. Um, there's six holes that are drilled into it um, to hold in PVC piping, and those PVCs will act as aerators. Uh, those will come out after about 72 hours. And then around there, to hold in all the compost, we have, there's a cage placed around it, kind of like a cattle panel, um, maybe about four feet across, five feet tall. Um, and then you'll line the pallet and the, um, the cattle panel with landscape fabric to hold everything in. And then we'll fill it. Uh, the typical ratio for the Johnson Sioux composter is um, a third man uh, cattle manure a third leaf litter, and a third wood chips. Um, so that's kind of the original recipe. So what we're doing here is, is experimenting with different recipes. On um, Tom's farm here, we have two different recipes. Um, biggest difference between his two are going to be the um, there's chicken manure in one and cattle manure in the other. Um, and we've got about six ingredients in each. And trying to get that ratio just about right um, as the as the original recipe. Mm. so And so explain what it is that the product that will result and, and kind of the time period it'll take and what's, what's, what's going to be occurring in that, during that time period inside those, those containers there? Yeah, so the first um, week or, or first couple weeks we'll be looking at it'll, the bioreactors will go into what's called a thermophilic phase. Um, and that'll heat up to, don't quote me on this, um, I think it's about 140 degrees it has to heat for. That'll kill any pathogenic bad bugs, bad bacteria in there. And in that first week, we'd actually take out those pipes to, to allow that air space to come in. And then after the heating cycle, we're going to, um, it'll just sit. Um, we do have to keep the moisture about 70%. Um, and then we'll add worms after that heating phase is over um, for so the worms are safe. And then timeline on this, um, if it's in a semi-heated area over the winter time in our climate, it could take about 12 months. Um, but if it does freeze up, which is which is fine, it can go about um, up to 18 months. Okay. And the project is two and a half years. So um, again, if we'll, we'll set up another two bioreactors uh, next year. So at the end of that period, you have the stuff. And I, it sounds like you can do a couple things with it. One, you can make a tea that you apply or you can apply it directly. Mm -hmm. When you apply it, what is it, you're, what is it you're hoping it'll do for the soil, or what is it that it's, it's going to activate there? Yeah, so this, uh, the product of these bioreactors is more um, of a biological, uh, more than uh, organic compost or organic material. Mm -hmm. You can use organic material for, um, like, as a seed starting stuff uh, for maybe more so on the vegetable side. 
yeah, so this will, so you'll get the, um, the finished media out of this and you can um, extract it as a tea. Well, yeah, excuse me, extract or a tea. And then both of them are really good to, to put on um, uh, in a spray application. Mm-hmm. And really it's just a concentrated amount of bio, um, microbes and fungus and that'll that'll really help the plants grow a lot better and gives them ability to actually pull nutrients easier um, by partnering with those soil microbes so i was talking to tom a little bit about this and he kind of put it in an interesting way he said in some ways this is a way for him to get the biodiversity say you know we've we've discovered that by using say uh really diverse mixes of cover crops diverse uh, rotations that kind of thing we can really get the biology of the soil going and part of that reason is the beneath the ground mm-hmm. is that you got a diversity of roots and and they are helping uh foster that uh, real diverse biome type of situation this is a way maybe you can't put in a 12-way mix of cover crops yep. or or whatever this is a way to get that diversity in the soil it sounds like it it'll certainly help yep but in the end you do need the food out there for these microbes too so they mm-hmm. will need you know you got to have something out there for them to be um, some roots, living roots to, to latch onto. So that's probably, you know, if, if you're putting it on in the fall, just on the corn stalks, it's, it's probably not going to, well, it, it won't do much for you, but if it's going on to a cover crop area or maybe some spring oats, that's going to be at least something for it to, um, to partner up with. Something that was kind of, it was developed in New Mexico. We're doing it here in Minnesota. Is this kind of unique to be trying something like this here? I, I certainly think there's a lot of folks that are trying it in our climate region. Um, it'll be, you know, part of the project is seeing what happens in the winter yeah. and seeing if it if it freezes hard. I've I've heard that it can. Tom will be keeping it in his um, somewhat heated yeah. shed here, and some of the other farms will also be doing that. So we'll just have to see. I'm hoping it doesn't totally freeze solid, but um, I've heard it's fine. It's just got to pick. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little bit slower to get going in the spring, but. I, it's it's still promising. <laughs> Are you excited? I am super excited. I'm I'm mostly excited about the fact that this is a replicated trial and we get to see this over a two and a half year period. Mm-hmm. So that's really the most exciting thing to me is and the recipes. It's just kind of fun to we don't know what yeah. is going to turn out, so we're just trying whatever whatever we want to try. So that's what I was struck by. I was watching you guys mix this. You you know, we had wood chips, compost. Was it worm compost? As well, uh, there's uh, some worm compost, worm compost there, yeah. and then cow manure, and then the other recipe included chicken manure. It was really interesting to see that it was, just, it was like a kitchen kitchen recipe kind of thing, and it is kind of fun to see the differences in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just didn't know what we're gonna. We knew what we we're putting in there, but coming out here, it was kind of had to figure out the ratios yeah. once we got out here. So, just one last thing: you mentioned it's a replicated trial, so maybe give us a general overview. This is on the, how many farms it's on, and the different kinds of farms that are going to be represented in the trial. Yeah. So um, Tom has cattle and uh, row crops out here, and then he's got a lot of pasture. He's got uh, organic and conventional ground, and then um, we're going to uh, Wazupi. Uh, tribal gardens, they their uh, vegetable production. Good Turn Farm is also vegetable production, and then uh, Pangrax are 
dairy. dairy. Yep. And then um, John Drovog, um, they've got livestock as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a mix, mixed livestock. And I believe they're, the Jovogs are organic as well. Yes, they are. Yep. And they're, they've got hogs, sheep. And um, they just got a few cattle in as well, so and row crops. So that's a good mix. We've got vegetable operations, a dairy operation, and then some kind of diversified crop livestock operations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that'll be a really nice mix. And then um, once we get the results from the project, that I think it'll be transferable to a lot of different operations. So um, that'll be nice to see. Next, I talked to Southern Minnesota crop and livestock farmer Tom Cotter about how he's hoping the Johnson Sioux system will help him up his soil health game. Could you just give a quick rundown rundown of your farm? What enterprise what how many acres you're farming here and what enterprises you have? Uh, right now about eight hundred and fifty acres. Corn, soybeans, sweet corn peas. Uh, I do have oats this year, organic oats. A third of my acres are in organic. And then the rest is conventional, which is all strictly no-till and cover. And I try and perfect the stuff in that to bring it over to organic. But in the organic world, I'm still having to do some tillage, uh, but try not to do too much. Well, and with the organic transition and some of the things you're trying to do, it, I take it that soil health is really key, a uh, key piece of that. Yeah. Uh, when I first started organic, I just used alfalfa fields to transition. Uh, of course, when you're done, the ground's pretty hard, and so now when I transition, it's actually large multi-species and put the cattle out there grazing to put nutrients back into soil and get that as fresh as possible. So when I do have to do something, you know, for cash crop time, it's not extreme tillage. So you're seeing already seeing some benefits from building that soil health with the no-till, the cover crops, and the grazing, and the diverse rotation. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I really, uh, when I first started doing covers, it was great. I you got the smell, you saw soil life come, you know, start coming. But once you started putting livestock in, then the livestock underground really started exploring. And then I saw even, you know, three to four times the worm population as compared to just covers and no-till. So. Well, so you're taking another big step here which is uh, uh, utilizing this Johnson Sioux bioreactor. Tell me a little bit about why you feel like you had to maybe up your game a little bit or you're interested in experimenting you're up in your game a little bit with this, this particular system. What is it about that that you feel will help you kind of uh, take that, those further steps with soil health? Well, I've always thought about trying to sustain myself uh, without having to do too much outside inputs. And, of course, this just falls right in line with the organic world trying to get me nutrients without doing relying on anything else synthetic uh, especially now with COVID it seems like every day I hear there's a shortage of this a shortage of that and you know realistically there is going before this even happened we knew there's going to be a shortage of fertilizer coming in the few, near future well now it's probably even exaggerated even more because of COVID but yeah, even without COVID, still doing it but now it's just like it makes me feel good to know that okay you know I, I got livestock manure i'm doing that and i just want to get have that little extra is is there something that as you've kind of built your soil health over the years that you're like well, i'm kind of missing something and maybe you feel feel like this could help kind of fill some gaps there a little bit that you're looking for uh yeah because i'm always trying to do things as natural as possible because i don't want that plant to rely on a synthetic you know input and this is going to give me an input that's you know, not synthetic, that it's natural. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter how much I do. 
all the tillage has been done over the last 140 years, all the chemical and all the synthetic fertilizers that have been used. So it sets me back way more than I could ever really think. I mean, we all think that, oh, it's just peachy keen and it works just fine. Well, no, there's, it's always hurting this one little thing there, another little thing there, and those hundred little things add up to a big thing. So I'm hoping this is going to help me take another step towards, you know, getting out of the ground sooner or, or maybe helping fight off a disease later on or nutrients uh, that maybe I was not capturing that I could still capture now. What have you heard about the, the bioreactor? Like, what, what, have you heard uh, how other people are using it? Or, I mean, what, what have you heard so far about it? I will say there is no silver bullet, you know, so am I going to do this and think that all my troubles are gone? Absolutely not. I know that's just another tool that I have that I'm going to try and use and, you know, if I can put enough of these small benefits together, it's going to help me in the long run. And I guess we should make clear, this is not just composting some cow manure and some other materials. It's you're creating something that's actually going to help activate the biology in the soil. Kind of that, That's kind of what you're looking at with yeah. your goal yeah. with this. Well, I've always felt, you know, when you, for years I did just cereal rye grain and it was great, but in the end, I kept thinking, well, this is just like a monocrop. And so then we went to 17 waste species and 30 waste species, and I really love that. But this is going to help me speed that up because I can't get 30 waste species on every field. Whereas this is probably going to give me the biology of, I mean, I have no idea, 40, 50 species, you know, like a cover. Every cover crop has different microbes that it benefits. Well, mm. 30 helps me benefits those. This... You know, could be on is on a whole new level, so I'm excited, and I really don't think we even know what the possibility is out there because we've damaged the soil so much over the years. Which you know, we did what we thought we were doing right, but we just don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a really good point. That this is a way of providing that biodiversity that maybe you can't. It's not. Um, it's it's not easy to do with like you said yeah. a huge yeah. mix of cover crops or or whatever but this is a way to because what the benefits of those cover that mix, highly diverse mix of cover crops is developing diversity in the soil but this is a way to kind of maybe short circuit that a little bit yeah you know not every farmer raises uh, small grains or canning crops so they don't have that option or they don't have livestock which mm-hmm. brings a ton of microbes too yeah. uh, this is going to help that other side that you know most people can't do. So, yeah. but this is actually, I mean, it was great to have all all of us here working this morning. We put it together in what four or five hours. Uh, so I'm excited. But so it could could be four or five hours of investment and maybe years of of biology, yeah. good healthy biology. Oh man. <laughs> well, I hope it steps me back about 200 years to when biology was really healthy. Organic dairy farmer Dale Pangrak is excited about the potential the Johnson Sioux Bioreactor holds for building healthy soil on his southeastern Minnesota operation. And as a former science teacher, observing the actual biological process involved is just plain fun to watch. We moved here in 1979. My wife and I were teachers up in Orono before we moved down here. Um, We started farming conventionally, and we did that until 2005 when we transitioned to organic. Since then, my daughter and son-in-law have come in and joined the operation. Uh, We started out with 40 cows and 117 acres, and now we've got 150 cows and uh, almost 900 acres. 
products. We're raising our own feed, and then we're also selling organic corn and organic soybeans. Okay. With that kind of, particularly because you're organic, I would assume soil health plays a really big role. Or did that? Did you become aware of that as you started transitioning into organic? How important soil health was, or was there something that made you aware of that? Yeah, I did realize it early on, but didn't really know what to do about it. Um, then I heard Elaine Ingham speak, and since then we've been following that path. Um, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of things that we've tried that have worked, and a lot that didn't work. But yes, yeah, soil health is is really important. Yeah. And what is what's some of the things you've done to try to build that soil health over the years? Um, well, we've we've done cover cropping. We've we use manure from the dairy and recycle that through the, the soil. Um, we also graze our herd, so we pasture. We have a lot of pastures. We've had our organic matters go from like 1.8 up to we've got some pastures at eight over eight now. Mm -hmm. So um, that we made a dramatic improvement. And now this year, it's been off and on dry and wet. And even during those dry periods, the pastures have really been resilient. Yeah, I, I, we're just coming off a really hot, unusually hot dry period for so early in the summer. And you've gotten some rain recently, but stuff around here looks really good from what I can tell. Yes, it does. It sounds like you have had some success with building soil health, um, and you've got interested in this jo Johnson Sioux bioreactor. What is it? What is it that you've heard about that, or that? What is it that caught your interest that you feel like maybe there's some some holes in your soil health uh, building that, that you'd like to fill with that, or what, what do you think it would help satisfy there? Well, what I'm hoping to do is get away from purchased fertilizer. That's the ultimate goal. In the meantime, we've we've had to use it because we've had some failures with it. Um, our compost didn't turn out the way it should, but now the way David Johnson does it is um, he's got a lot of different species of microorganisms in real high counts. <clears throat> so that's what we're after with these bioreactors. Yeah, and I think that's something we need to make clear is this is, when people think of composting, they're thinking that it's a, that in this case, it's a form of just fertilizer, but it's really not, is it? It's it's kind of active. It's it's activating the f natural fertility. Is that kind of the way? It, it's the, the idea behind it. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly what's happening. Um, the the microbes do all the work. They'll release the fertilizer. Elaine says there's enough fertility in the ground for thousands of years, you know, without putting any additional fertilizer on. And we're running short of the fertilizers. The mine fertilizers are, are going to be gone in, in years to come. But yes, the, the microorganisms make available to the plant what they actually need when they need it. The timing is perfect with that. Quorum sensing is another interesting um, concept, and I've been studying that. What, what, core, core sensing? What, what's quorum, that? Quorum oh, quorum sensing. sensing. What, the, what's that? The, well, the microorganisms themselves, the microbes, communicate with each other. And let's say the plant needs phosphorus today. It'll build up the populations of those microorganisms that release phosphorus from the soil mm -hmm. and give it to it when the plant needs it. They can also, if it needs boron four hours from now, it'll it'll uh, release the boron. It'll build up the microorganism populations that will release that. So it, it's a fascinating study, and I've, I've heard some talks on it, but it's 
still kind of over my head. <laughs> but I like the concept. Well, that's a really interesting concept because one of the problems that we run into with purchase fertilizer that's applied is two things. One is the timing of when the plant needs it and how much when you the timing of when you apply it often don't jibe. Yep. And the and so then we have a lot of it wasted. It gets run off and ends up being pollution and nitrates in drinking water, that kind of thing. But the the plants, the other issue is the plants aren't getting what they need when they need it. So that timing, if you can get that timing, that seems like the real brass ring there. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that, how do we know? You know, <laughs> it's between the plant, you know, the plant and the microorganisms communicate with each other. They supply each what each other needs. The plant feeds the microorganisms, and in turn, the microorganisms bring nutrients to the plants. So yeah, yeah. It's a, quite a system God created. Yeah. So um, give us a rundown of what we have. In, we have two bioreactors set up. What, what all do we have in these? What kind of, what's the recipe for these? Um, the recipe in the first one is um, barley straw and hay and manure and I also have a compost bedded pack that the cows are on, which consists of sawdust, and then we aerate it every day as the cows are on it. So it's manure and sawdust mixed. And the second one was uh, compost from the bedded pack, some forest soil, manure, and corn stalks. And then I think redworms will be added later, it sounds like. They'll be added after the thermophilic phase. Okay. It's, for a farm like you, this maybe could be an ideal setup because you do have the material. You have livestock, so you have the manure. Mm -hmm. You have a bedding pack. We also treat the manure um, with a biological product that neutralizes the salts that are in it, and it also adds microbes to the manure. Mm. Um, it, it, we have, get more nitrogen out of it than if we wouldn't treat it with that. Oh, okay. So. Wow. So, yeah, you really are set up as a dairy here where you, and you're raising your own, you know, you need that fertility, and you've got your pasture that you would like to build fertility in, in that, but you also have the livestock to provide that source yep. material and kind of close that yep. nutrient cycle a little Simple bit. cycle, yeah. And you you have two... Johnson Sioux bioreactors, kind of smaller ones that you've already experimented with, and you said you've yeah. you've looked at those, and those are two years old now, and I've noticed they're broken down to about half the original stack yeah. uh, length. And you said you've looked at those, and it sounds like they're pretty active. There's some pretty active life in there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of biodiversity in there. It, they're dry now. I've kept them inside, and I haven't watered them, so they've gone dormant. But when I take a sample out and I hydrate it, um, I have to let it sit about a week, and then it becomes pretty active. I've got nematodes, and I mean, got got everything in there. And I think you explained that. So those two, maybe between them, you'd be able to treat. Did you say 200? I can't remember how many. 400 acres. 400 acres. Yeah, and so explain how that might work from here on out. Like if you were going to treat those, what, what would you be doing to, and in what way would you be applying that to the field? Well, I'd take it out of the bioreactor, and I have a compost brewer that I made, and I have a bag on it, and I'll put it in the bag and then fill it with water, and then it just aerates. And if I need to add any food, any extra food for the microbes, I can do that. Then when it's done, I'll put it in my sprayer, and I probably well I'll probably dilute it with some water, and then spray it on the crop. Okay. You know, either in the morning, early, or in the evening when the stomata are open. Right. Yeah, th that's that whole idea of activating that biology in there. Yep. You know, you know that kind of thing. So it does. It's pretty concentrated. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I get the sense that you're very interested in doing this because you want to fill some of those gaps in your soil health goals, but it, it sounds like you're kind of excited about researching this and from what you, and you got excited by talking to Elaine Ingham and, and that this is just maybe kind of fun to be a farmer scientist a little bit. <laughs> well, it is. And of course I was a science teacher before I started farming. So I kind of background in it already, but um, it is fascinating. The more I learn, the more I want to learn. <laughs> the Johnson Sioux Bioreactor, see the links on the podcast page for Ear to the Ground episode 266 at landstewardshipproject.org. While there, check out our slideshow showing bioreactors being set up on LSP member farms during the summer of 2021. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. <laughs>